Thomas Wolfe writes, you can't go back home. Back home to the old forms and systems of things which once seemed everlasting, but which are changing all the time. Back home to the escapes of time and memory. I think that's a really great launch pad for today's featured topic, the return of in-person training. Recently, I had the pleasure of catching up with Katie Bailey, a learning consultant at GP Strategies on this very topic. I invite you to listen as we unpack how the realities of returning to in-person training are evolving, I think for the better. Stay tuned. Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters podcast from GP Strategies, your workforce transformation partner. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts and explore best practices and innovative insights to help your organization improve performance. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Teal. By day, I'm a creative director serving within the innovation team here at GP Strategies. And as a little side perk, I get the pleasure of hosting the GP Performance Matters podcast. And today is a day I think many of us have been waiting for. That's right. Dun, dun, dun. We're talking about the return of in-person training. I mean, it's something I know as a trainer I've been dreaming about for years. So joining me in the virtual studio to riff on this topic is Katie Bailey. And for those that don't know Katie, she is a learning consultant here at GP Strategy, specializing in leadership and talent development. And I did do a little LinkedIn stalking on Katie. I will admit that here. But what I wanted to do is just say, number one, Her LinkedIn page is a case study for how to design your page. It's benchmark. She could run a class on that. Really well done. But my point is, she describes herself as a consultant coach and a learning strategist with a passion for developing organizations and their most important assets, their people. I love that. I think we're going to have a great podcast today. Katie, thanks for joining us. How are you? I am great. I am so excited to be here today. And thank you so much for offering up the time and space for this conversation to occur. Well, of course. Now, we are talking in-person training, but you and I are virtual. We are here in the virtual studio. So can you just share a little bit about yourself with the audience? Let's start with Where do you live? Where's home for you? Absolutely. Yeah. So in addition to everything you just shared, I can share uh, today I'm joining you from my home office in Buffalo, New York. And so that's where I am based. And I've been with GP Strategies for four and a half years in this learning consultant role in the leadership practice. Buffalo, I know we've had some pains and some joys over the years uh, in terms of football. Oh, oh, it hurts. But you know what? I can tell you this. (laughs) The bills come up in more client calls. We work with clients all over the world. And I can not tell you how many people, once we kind of forge that Buffalo or geographic connection, people will, no matter where they're located, will talk about the bill. So um, I will, I'm a big Buffalo booster. There's so much reason to be excited. And I love that ability to connect with people, whether it's over sports, geography, snow or weather, their love of chicken wings, whatever it may be. So Buffalo is a pretty special place. Absolutely. And I will say, even though this isn't a sports podcast, it is nice to see Buffalo relevant again in the NFL for sure. Thank so you. Thank you for love this, that. love the snow there. It's just, it's really cool. So hopefully yeah. I'll get up there sometime. I'm I'm in Phoenix, so we don't get much of that here. So whenever I see it, I go, oh, that's what snow looks like. That's Come fun. Come on so. over. We're, out of, we're coming <laughs> out of the snow now, and that's a good thing. But yes, it's pretty cool. Okay, so we're not here to talk football. We're here to talk about in-person okay. training. Yes. And, you know, I've got a couple things I've been thinking about here. And the thing is, many people in the U.S. I know have been itching to get back to face-to-face training. 
But before we get into how to do that, because Yogi Berra once said, is, ain't, was, you know, <laughs> we can never just rewind the clock here. What can you tell us about what we've learned over the past few years of virtual training? And, and let me kind of break this down into a couple parts here. First of all, from your perspective, has the learning suffered in these past couple of years of basically being pure virtual? What's your thoughts? Yeah, so let me trace back a little bit. Um, I, I would say, you know, in in the early parts of 2020, of course, we with the rise of the coronavirus pandemic, we had so many clients all around the world rapidly shift their training plans. So some had to abandon training altogether, right? And certainly this varied based on geography. It varied based on industry vertical and the impact of the pandemic on that industry. Um, so some clients had to abandon their training strategies almost entirely. And many hmm. others had to shift the modality in which they were delivering the training because in-person was no longer a safe or viable option. So for lots of clients, they made that shift into either digital or virtual learning. And I would say more often than not, there were many pleasant surprises. So we had some clients that were already on that plane or trend of offering virtual training. And for others, it was totally brand new. So I would say we had a lot of maybe skeptics about, hey, can the virtual experience <laughs> be effective, right? Can it be engaging? Can it be fun? Are people just going to tune in and tune out? Um, and I'm happy to report that by and large, the, the stories coming out of that shift to virtual learning are very, very positive from both learners uh, and clients alike who were pretty surprised by the way that training could still be delivered, that skills could be practiced, the way that technology uh, can facilitate some of those practices. So um, instead of being, you know, turning to your neighbor, if you were in an right. in-person training, being able to go into a virtual breakout room and interface very similarly to what we're doing. So by and large, from both anecdotal data from talking with clients and learners, as well as examining some of the program data, the evaluations, we really didn't see a big drop or decline in the efficacy or the satisfaction experience from a learner perspective. From your perspective, has this virtual learning uh, experience, has it performed better than in-person programs in some instances? Is that Ooh. kind of what I'm hearing from you? Oh, gosh, you know, I hate to, I don't want to straddle the fence too much, but I'm, I might say this a lot. It depends, right? Think about the diversity of the clients that we work with and the learners that we're bringing into the classroom. In some instances, yeah, I think it's actually been more successful. And I'll give an example. So, you know, with in-person training, especially when you have people needing to travel in, there's this, this push to do, you know, these multi-day training sessions, right? And so we've got to pull people offline and out of their day-to-day -day work for days and days at a time. And that has been successful and, and fine and what have you. We've had some clients say, gosh, you know, instead of doing a two-day training, we've broken it down now into these four or five or six virtual sessions. We can pull people out of their role for two, three hours at a time, send them back, and it's actually much less disruptive to our business uh, environment or to those day-to-day -day needs. And so in some instances, that's actually been a better experience for clients, and they found this to be a really viable alternative that they're choosing to keep moving into the future. Yeah, I could see that just in terms of being able to, you know, with the way our brain works, right, is sure. chunk it up a little bit and, yep. and make it a little more digestible. So with that in mind, I mean, what's your perspective as a learning consultant? I mean, should companies be thinking about ditching in-person training altogether then? Oh, gosh. Just, just no. forget it? Just... But no, 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 no. So of course, I'm going to say this about a hundred times this hour. Of course, it depends, right? There's it depends. So many Come on. Factors, right? There's logistics. Give us the give us the straight talk here, Katie. 
oh, no, no, because in-person <laughs> training is still a, a magical thing in my mind, right? There's still something pretty incredible about being able to bring people together to share the same physical time and space with each other. There's a lot of people, of learners, of clients that are craving it, like begging for it. And, and you know, people, <laughs> We saw success in the virtual experience. We also saw on program evaluations, learners saying, great training. I wish it was in person, right? Or just that ability to, you know, have that opportunity to connect with people, um, not even so much in the formal learning experience, but those those really priceless, unwritten uh, moments where you're sharing a cup of coffee together or maybe heading out to a meal after hours after the training has completed. So there's definitely, for me, I totally believe there's a place for in-person training. There's a place for virtual training. There's a place for digital training. And part of the conversations we're having with clients right now is looking at all of those factors related to their business and their needs and their desired outcomes, and then figuring out which modality or mix of modalities is going to be best for them? You know, this, it actually kind of reminds me of the way that uh, there's been a rebirth for records in, mm -hmm. in the music industry where, you know, people have, with all the digital out there, and, you know, we were kind of joking before we, we hit record here, I had some, some fun music going that we can't, we can't play right now or we'd be shut down on the licensing. Yes. But, you know, I've been hearing that records are exploding. Like Adele just re released her her last record out there. People are craving that kind of authentic analog element, but they're not, you know, I'm I'm not ditching my, my Spotify's and my iTunes or anything like mm -hmm. that. So it kind of feels like a similar analogy, but let's take this to another topic. And one that's um, near and dear to my heart as a trainer is lunch, right? So that's the, <laughs> the first thing people talk about when you're talking about planning training is this sounds great. Uh, when's lunch, by the way, so that you want to clear the deck here. So I know for a fact, you know, many companies have saved a lot of money by switching to digital to virtual, you know, they get to keep their trainers and employees like you and me here at home in our in our comfortable little confines here. So we know there's been a bundle saved on travel and hotels. Uh, you don't have to buy people lunch, but let me ask you this from your perspective. Are any of your clients hesitating to start spending for those non-course related expenses again? Oh, for sure, for sure. And I think, listen, two things I'll say. One is the financial aspect is absolutely one of those elements that we're talking about with clients related to their potential shift back to in-person training. Um, I'll also say that some clients did buy their learners lunch during virtual. So we had some really cool oh, wow. creative strategies where people would send like a, a voucher for Uber Eats or Grubhub um, and to say like, hey, you know, we have this training experience, like here's $15, like get yourself some lunch. So they're, they're actually, it's, it's, we're living in this world of both and, right? So some clients actually did infuse some of those maybe more like uh, ancillary or like humanistic or like treat related things to try to help build that sense of value and community. But I think when you think about that financial piece, it's it's the concept of cost and the concept of value. So yes, in-person training has a cost, but there also is a value to bringing people together. And what I think physically and what I think what clients are being really intentional about now is what are those opportunities in which it makes the most sense to bring people together. So for example, we have clients that have teams that have never met each other in person, right? Because they were hired <laughs> over the last two years. And maybe there's a great excuse less opportunity to bring them together for training. 
We have other clients that are running um, cohort-based programs. So maybe a high potential program or some sort of, of upscaling training program where folks are going through a learning experience for six, six months, even two years, we have some programs. And so there's value because you bring those people together and you give them the opportunity to, to really amplify those interpersonal connections. And that builds that rapport and that relationship as they continue throughout their learning experience. And, and just truth be told, some clients in some industries are more on-site based than others, right? So the ILT may not actually uh, represent an increased cost to virtual. We've had some clients where going to virtual was actually cost prohibitive because there wasn't um, either technology capabilities across the learners in the organization. So maybe more of like a plant or factory based uh, type experience, uh, retail. So, so some clients, it's really actually not an added cost. So again, many of my examples may go on and on, but it's because of that diversity and complexity of the clients and the industries that they that we serve. It really does depend. So what, I, what I'm hearing from you is that it's it's really more of a question of value. When when is it the right choice? When is it the special option? When does it have the most impact? And in that case, there's really not any pushback when it's the right call, when it's the right value, correct? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so you know, at the end of the day, everything we do as a learning consultant, uh, it has to center around the learner if we're going yes. to provide the right service. So, assuming L and D teams want to start dipping back into face-to-face -face learning programs, you know, we've learned a lot in the past couple of years. So, what considerations do they need to keep in mind when it comes to the learner's needs? Oh, that's such a great question, and thank you so much because I really do believe in keeping the learner at the heart of everything that we do. I think from both my experience as well as you know what I've heard from working with clients and just my own like gut instinct, I think we have to we have to really remember that learner needs and preferences are going to differ pretty greatly right now, right? So it feels very much like COVID is waning and we're entering into this new era of being able to do things that we haven't been able to do. But COVID's not over and um, it's impacted people in vastly different ways. And so we have to understand that not all learners and not all people are ready to return to in-person experiences. They may not be comfortable. They may not be able. They may be immunocompromised or have a family member in that situation. They may just truly not be comfortable. They may still be impacted by what COVID did to our childcare networks and some other pieces. Like it's just, again, there's there's this dependency on people's different situations and, and what they may have going on in their life, both in and out of work, which may impact their willingness or ability to participate in an in-person training experience. And so I think it's really important for learning and development coordinators and our talent management colleagues to be really mindful of that and think about ways that we can be more inclusive in those experiences. So for example, if an in-person physical experience, co-located experience is prohibitive for someone, what might we be able to offer as an alternative? So I really, I don't want to see folks, again, that are not willing or not able at this point in time be left out of those experiences. And I think that's something that's really important to consider. And then even when we're designing training experiences, we're bringing people together, having them in person. I think there are still some really great things we can do to ensure that we're being as safe and practical as possible in the classroom. So whether that has to do with masking, distancing, minimizing the use of shared materials like whiteboard markers and different things like that, I think there's ways that we can be considerate, hygienic, inclusive, uh, and healthy as we as we come back to the in-person experience. Yeah, what I'm what I'm hearing from you is really drawing upon what we've 
learned in the past couple of years and making some adjustments, having some of that additional empathy, even maybe just saying it's it's not an all or nothing scenario in terms Absolutely. of maybe you have in person, but you might have two two cameras um, pointed at both the facilitator and the audience. And if someone really just can't attend, maybe they can still be there and be part of the process. Yeah. And that's happening actually. And so I think, and that's great. I love the idea and thoughts in, of leveraging technology and being able to be more inclusive. I would say it does necessitate some adjustments in the way that the learning is designed. It certainly necessitates some adjustments in facilitation because it's not enough to simply bring people into the virtually into, you know, a co-located room. Um, we have to be able to be inclusive, right? And really make sure that they feel like they're a part of that experience, that they have a voice and they're involved and included as well. But I love that idea. I love the idea of not necessarily thinking of, of either or, right? It can be a both and, and we can figure out ways that that everybody can be involved and included. Yeah, I'll send you a bill for that, Katie, by the way. Absolutely. So. <laughs> okay, so we've been talking about learners so far. Let's talk a little bit about facilitators. And I know that's something that you've had a background in and I have here. So yes. trainers are well known historically for being road warriors, racking yes. up the air miles and the hotel points, which might have been shrinking lately. I've uh, I've had to grab a couple flights on Southwest and for years I was an A-lister <laughs> and I forget to sign in and suddenly I'm sitting there with like a C 48 in my hand. And I I'm also like, lost all my status. It's, you know, we'll be okay. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I know. I'm like, I want to shout at people, I was an A-lister. And they're like, yeah, you can have that middle seat. <laughs> and oh, by the way, check your bag. Yeah, you've yes, got to gate check your bag. Yeah, Thank you there. Dollars, but yeah. so let me ask you this here. Um, over the past two years, people have been building up their home studios. Now I've got four screens here and being, you know, doing the Zooms and the WebExes, things that were kind of scary a couple of years ago. But let sure. me ask you this. So what do L&D teams need to know about where facilitators are, quote, are at these days in terms of meeting them and thinking about them? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would say my, my overarching thought is I would take a look at your facilitator pool because it may not look the same. I would I would venture to guess that it actually will not look the same as it did in our pre-COVID reality. And so much like learners, right? Facilitators are at different points in their journeys, in their comfort level, their willingness, their ability to travel, um, you know, that pivot to virtual, a couple things. I think virtual facilitation and in-person facilitation are similar in some ways, but actually require some pretty distinct and separate skill sets. Um, and so some facilitators were much more comfortable with making that shift or had done it previously. Others weren't. And so we're finding them like much more itchy to get back into that in-person <laughs> Right. But, we, but just like learners, we also had other folks that, you know, took a step back from that travel, took a step back from being physically with their people and were like, hey, I like this, actually. It's a little more convenient for me. Maybe it's a little more cost effective. Maybe it works better with what I have going on at home. So just like learners, we have facilitators at all different points of time um, in their willingness and ability to be doing in-person training. So for us here at GP, we've had to do some shifts based on that uh, that preference, the willingness, the ability, and availability. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like if I'm facilitating in virtual it like it sucks the life force out of you in terms of how much you have to give to that camera. It's, oh, my it's face almost hurts. like, uh. yeah, like one hour, one hour <laughs> of virtual is in my mind, and I don't have a scientific analysis mm -hmm. on this, but it feels like one hour of virtual is like 
eight hours of in person because <laughs> you just have to you have to give so much to the camera, you know. <laughs> There's a different but, um, level of energy for sure, for sure. Oh yeah, for sure on that end. So um, let's think about this here, Katie. Um, when it comes to this concept of willingness to travel, we've talked about that a little bit here, mm-hmm. but um, you know, travel's always been a huge factor when it comes to instructor-led training. So do you have some advice for us to think about as we're planning training events where people will be coming from out of town? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I think first and foremost, it's understanding that, especially now as we're in what feels like this transitional period still with COVID still here, but kind of lessening the grip. I think we need to understand that there's a lot of local variability when it comes to COVID, when mm. it comes to rates of infection, when it comes to rules and regulations, different requirements like masking and testing and vaccination. So I think it's really important to be aware of that. So both where people are coming from and then where they might be coming to um, what are the, faci- like if you're hosting training at an offsite facility, what are their protocols related to COVID, which might be different than the hotel you're having people staying at, which might be different <laughs> than the site that they're coming from. So there's, it's just complexities, right? So I think there's just a new layer of logistics for training coordinators to be aware of. And, and just also still thinking again, like we have, um, I would say like, think about the airline industry and how routes have been cut back and cancellations, like a cancellation, might have been inconvenient in uh, 2019, but in 2022, it could actually be catastrophic because there might not be another flight until after the training's over. So Absolutely. certain things, I think the most important thing is to be proactive, right? With some of the things that we know, but also to be agile, right? Things are changing all the time. Those requirements that you researched as you were planning your training six weeks ago might be different now that the training's here, right? And we're six weeks past, you know, whatever point in time we were at before. So being aware and then being able to pivot. So um, we've still had clients pivoting. Some clients were ready to go back to ILT and then there was an outbreak and we had to shift it back to to, uh, to virtual. Um, and so, so you just have to continue to be on your toes. Unfortunately, fortunately, I think it's a pretty good skill set to have, but, but definitely have to maintain that flexibility still in this transitional period. All right. So I'm hearing empathy. I'm hearing agility. I'm hearing proactive. I'm mm-hmm. assuming probably keeping a, a bookmark to the CDC website on, <laughs> sure. on your, uh, on your event planner pro tips, that kind of thing here. So I had six of the first weeks of this year out and about at events uh, at manufacturing sites. And uh, yeah, it was it was kind of strange. It felt weird to mm-hmm. be back, you know, to actually be in airports and things like that. So I know some people love it. I will admit it was awesome to uh, to to get out a bit. I know others little are a little bit more nervous on that. So wherever people sit on that spectrum, we know it's important for event and training organizers to be intentional about how they're setting up their day. So what are some pro tips that you can share with our audience for planners, for facility coordinators to follow to really now structure a good in-person training event as we're taking off those training wheels? Give us some, give us some insights here. The training wheels for training. That'd be a great title. Um, No, I love that you use that word intentional because I think that's really the key. So it's the, again, remembering that in, in that people have different, preferences, they have different comfort levels. And what can we do to cultivate an experience that helps recognize that? Again, some people are running up right right away to give the handshake and hugs. And some people just aren't there yet. Also, some people were <laughs> never there and we should probably continue to be aware of that. But like, but but you know, so I think there's just again, 
we get there through being intentional, through demonstrating empathy, through communicating with the people. And guess what? That's not different from pre-COVID. Those are all still things that we should have probably been doing beforehand. But I think there's, again, this extra layer related to health and safety, creating a safe work environment for our facilitators and our training coordinators who are on site, creating a comfortable experience for learners, and then recognizing that that comfort could differ. So again, what are the rules that you want to set forward? Is masking optional? Is it mandatory? Um, what are we going to do about shared materials? How close do we need to modify any activities or seating arrangements to maintain a distance that might feel comfortable for a majority of folks? So, you know, a lot of I'm finding that a lot of clients are tapping into their organizational policies. So a lot of times, like as a training coordinator, like there, there often are policies at the organizational level, which can help inform that. And then for any potential vendors you might be working with. So here at GP Strategies, we have some policies. If you're working with a hotel or a, or a site uh vendor, they have them as well. So you don't have to really feel alone. I think we can kind of take the best of everything and cultivate that plan that feels most comfortable. Katie, I, I've got to tell you, this has been an awesome conversation. I mean, just even just having this chance to take a look back at what we've gone through over the past couple of years and what we can bring into our world. I mean, honestly, I think with evolution, you get stronger, right? We do. And and if I if I end on one note, I'll say this. There is no one right way to do training, right? One of the best parts of, of, of the silver linings, I guess you could say, of the way that we had to shift is, I think for a lot of people, eyes were opened about the multiple modalities and different ways that learners can be engaged. And now it's all about finding, like I said, that right mix for what you want to accomplish. And I think that's one of the most fun parts of the interfaces that we get to have with clients, especially lately. Awesome. Well, Katie, on behalf of our many listeners around the globe, thank you so much for sharing your insights today. Absolutely a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Go Bill! The Performance Matters Podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts or listen on our website at gpstrategies.com.